Greetings, everyone. It is now time for Mark Safe, tales of your very favorite and most beloved man-made disasters. On Mark Safe, we discuss events and details that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Please listen responsibly. And now, here with your hosts, Brianne and Melanie, this is Mark Safe. I am so glad you made it this week. I want to thank you early on at the beginning of this episode because you were a gift and a treasure for this episode. As the world knows, we had, we're down one. We had one kiddo go home this week after a very long time with us. And it's been, you know, no one really talks about this part in the foster care community. I guess this is kind of all people talk about outside of the foster care community because it's all, I'd get attached. I couldn't let him go. And that's really all you talk about. Right. But inside, weirdly, nobody talks about this. They talk about it secretly with their friends. Like in, in public places, this doesn't really come up. But it is hard. It's really hard. I can't really, you know, I can't really say anything specific. But whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, it's hard. It's even harder if it's not a good thing, but it's always hard. And uh, my contribution to the world right now is basically that you can roll me into a location, prop me up, and that is the role I can fulfill. <laughs> that's that's what I've got in me. So everyone's going to have to suck it up and listen to my voice again <laughs> this mm-hmm. week. I I can show up, and that's all I've got right now this week. So I called in sick to the podcast, and... Melanie, unexpectedly, not that it's unexpected that you're great, I just didn't know this is something you were working on. Melanie unexpectedly came through with some kind of episode that first she said was light, then she said was actually maybe a (laughs) two-parter. So I don't know what we're doing here. Um, But she had something, something in the, in the chamber already. Yeah. And uh, therefore, here we are, because I, I, like I said, I can be rolled in and propped up and fill a role that's it uh research does not fall under that umbrella yeah research is hard enough anyways Uh, like there's a lot that goes on like behind the scenes i know for me like when i research this shit takes fucking forever research is like writing a college term paper every time yes every time it's it's a lot a lot a lot a, a fun lot. one a satisfying one that i love to do but like effort and time wise it is a full-blown college term paper yeah <laughs> every time and uh there's zero possibility i had a college term paper in me this week so yeah were it not for melanie we would not be here today about to talk shit about some animals but we are thank you for that <laughs> speaking about talking shit about animals we hit a milestone today what was it oh i'm not ready to talk about this but go for it (laughs) i'm sad why are you sad i have regrets i'm sad about not picking white chicken i'm sad that now i uh i'm an enemy to chickens when i love chickens so fucking much we got so we just opened up our first snail mail we got we got a box. We're so professional now. 
Mm-hmm. And I went um, after my daughter's speech therapy today. We stopped by to check it and we had two pieces of mail in there. Do you get like a notification or anything when there's something there or do you just have to show up now and then? So it's just like I've checking never... your mailbox. Oh, well, I've never had a P.O. box. Yeah. I like the I, the reason why I went to this place to get um, our post office box is because the the girl, she was so nice. Like, I had to ship some stuff yeah. off. And it's really, like, old school, like, boomer friendly. Like, they don't even do QR codes and all that stuff. It's just, I don't know. Wow. It's old timey. They just box it up and ship it out and you're good to go. There's not all the technology stuff. So, yeah, we got two pieces of mail. One of them was from White Chicken. Listen. White chicken sent us its DNA. (laughs) We have white chicken's DNA. Oh, God, which is the best, the best uh, way to start getting mail. And it's like footprints. And I love how Amy said, I hope you can read. It's chicken scratch. I about died. I know. Me too. So. And then Michelle sent us like she's got a hobby, but it should be an Etsy. Um, she sent us some really badass bracelets. Well, I don't know what she sent you. I didn't open yours, but she sent me a badass bracelet. <laughs> Says Mark safe. Oh, wait, there's like two separate envelopes. Yeah, there's there was an envelope for me and then there's an envelope oh, for you. And like, okay. Oh. I read your note and I figured that was the note. No, there's wow. two people on this podcast. That's so nice. I know. <laughs> Were you like, well, that fucking sucks. I, mean, I was like, all right, well, okay. <laughs> well, fuck I me mean, then. <laughs> Melanie deserves this pilot. It's fine. I wasn't mad about it. <laughs> no, you have an envelope too. I wrote that I would send it off to you tomorrow. Well, I thought you meant like a, a bracelet or something because she sent some beautiful bracelets. I didn't realize there's a whole second envelope. Yeah, there's an envelope with your name on it, lady. Wow. It is okay. I feel important again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, "Wow! Well, now I'm I'm cut out of the chicken festivities, and uh, and I don't I don't get a letter, and uh, huh. oh, oh, see if I show up for work next week. I'm gonna go eat some worms." <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't really upset, but I did definitely think that was the only envelope. Yay! That's exciting. Yes. So you'll get some snail mail. We our address is in Thibodeau right now, just because it's. It's easy, and we're not going to give out our personal addresses, although, like... No, and if I was in charge of a P.O. box, it, it would never get checked, ever. Ever, ever. Y'all don't know this, but Brienne, like, also, I've sent her something and been like, um, <laughs> oh. can you please check your porch? <laughs> like, she is the type of person that will have Amazon packages just sit there for fucking years and never uh-huh. check it unless well, somebody's like... A bunch of- Listen, I have reasons, and I know I can't be the only one that does this. I order a bunch of boring shit, like really boring shit. And like I'll order sight word flashcards or a a hair catcher for the bathtub or something. None of that is boring to me. Well, it's boring to me. So I'll order it, and then it gets here, and I'm like, I don't need this yet. And if I open it right now, then I have to dispose of the box, which is a whole pain in my ass. So I'm just going to put it here in this little 
unopened box pile by the door and then next time i'm like oh no i'm taking a shower and i need this drain thing i'll know where it is and i'll go grab it then but i'm not opening it before i have to because it's it's not it's not exciting and then i have to get rid of a box okay you're so santa occasionally no. sends me things no you're santa claus stockpiling bullshit that you do <laughs> gives me anxiety <laughs> like i think a lot of things i do give a lot of people anxiety <laughs> I think that's safe to say. But I think my sleep schedule gives everyone anxiety. So I will let you know when I mail this off. Oh, yeah. So going back to that. So this is why the P.O. Box is in Louisiana if you're sending something. But don't worry. (laughs) I'm very responsible and I'm really good at mailing stuff. And I will make sure Brianne gets. You're very irresponsible. I'm very responsible. You for sure just said irresponsible. (laughs) boobies boobies it's all the same thing so but i'll make sure she gets whatever is sent to her and um you know that way we just don't get any you know creepos showing up to our house yeah no i've got i've got enough creepos in my life i thought i had a creepo did you see did you see my post yes okay yeah so we have a lot of windows in my house like Mm -hmm. on the back side of our house and somebody sent me a package and it was addressed to Mel Cruz. Now there's only like three people that call me Mel and two of them don't live anymore. So I was like, Shit. this is fucking weird. Right? You didn't tell me that detail. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, this is uncomfortable. I'm like, is somebody looking through my windows? So somebody. And they. And sent that me. makes it seem like they're looking through your windows and they're unimpressed. Right? Somebody <laughs> sent me window film. Like the mm. foggy, like you can't I see through. It. I hate it. And then I was like, you know, we have farmland, um, you know, behind our house. It's all like sugarcane. And it has since been, you know, harvested. So it's, you know, big and open, whatever. We have close neighbors on each side. But I'm like, is somebody like back there and it's like this bitch is walking around naked with her big ass you know belly and i don't want to see that (laughs) so i'm gonna mail her a roll of window film and maybe it'll be like a hint i mean the question is that definitely seem to be automatically where your mind went so i assume from that that you have been doing that yes okay because otherwise it, it wouldn't make sense but I don't know. I posted about it on Facebook and I'm like, this is creepy. Who did this? You gotta leave a and somebody note. somebody actually fessed up. It was my cousin. And it wasn't for me. It was for my kids. Apparently, when the light comes through, it makes like a prism effect and there's rainbows everywhere. So should be cool. I can't right. wait to get well, it up. That that promised to be terrifying. Yes. I'm so glad that there's no anti-perverts around. Like just yeah, I don't I don't know. Like that's, I mean, talk about insult to violation. Is I've been looking through your window at your naked ass and I don't like it. Please cover it up. <laughs> Damn. But it's like I get so hot too, so I'm definitely a lot more free than I normally am. You know, what <laughs> no I judgment. Mean? At least not for me. Ugh. All right, you want to? So we're on the final two weeks of our animal bracket. Um. Yeah, we have our final four today, and next week we will crown a champion. I have two regrets already. 
one regret is going to be how mad the audio is going to be because I just set my phone down really loud and I'm not <laughs> clapping out because I'm just not gonna. Um, I yeah, I have two regrets. If I could turn back time, I would choose the armadillo and the chicken. Oh damn! I know this I'm, bracket I'm going on is the record saying I I regret it. Sorry, koala and pangolin. <laughs> well, here we go. Let's see what happens. Okay. Final four. Be, Your first be. matchup. The pangolin versus the blanket octopus. Mm, pangolin. I knew that one. The blanket octopus made it kind of far because it really is pretty, but I really do hate ocean creatures. I mean, it was against, what was it against? The blue ringed octopus. You were unimpressed. The blobfish. Yeah, I mean. It yeah. kind of cruised. <laughs> it, it did. It was copying off it, of its it neighbor's test. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it was genuinely pretty. It Maybe it sort of made it here on its own merits, but it, it can't go any farther. This one, I don't know. I don't know. Koala versus the honey badger. <sighs> I don't know either. I don't know either. See, my my instinct is to say koala. Because, I mean, I do... You have to respect honey badger vibes. And like I said, I do. I think I was in an angrier place when I picked that last time um, than I am right now. I'm a bit more subdued now. (laughs) Uh, On the other hand, I'm a little bit resentful toward the koala because I have regrets regarding the chicken. (laughs) Now I'm like, you weren't even worth all this koala. You really weren't. Um, So I, I hesitate to let it go farther shit okay well i mean when in doubt i'm gonna have to go back to the petting zoo test and crown the koala once again because i'm not picking up a honey badger Ooh, i think it's good that you picked the koala because do you i mean in for a penny in for a pound at this point well i mean if you're gonna knock out white chicken and then turn around and knock out the person that knocked out white chicken that's like kind of rude as fuck yeah you've got a point actually we at this point I need to um honor white chicken. Yes. Yeah. That's legit. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with us? Oh my gosh, I love it. And then next week we'll crown the winner and then it's the cryptid bracket. Uh, yeah. So we still have some spots to fill. Uh yeah, send in the suggestions. Keep them coming. Dude, I legit had no idea this many cryptids existed. There's so many. Like, none. I thought there were probably six oh, no. in the world. There's there's a cryptid for every state. I think they make I maps. I didn't know that. It's bananas. Do we have a cryptid here? Have you looked? Yeah, everyone has a cryptid. Let me find out what your cryptid is real quick. Let's see. So your cryptid, you have several. I have several cryptids. Says Indiana might be the creepy home to several bizarre cryptids. Nuh-uh. The Puckwudgie. Wow, I've never heard of that. It's really adorable. It looks like a little troll. Okay. Um, The Crosley Monster. Wow. Which is kind of like a Bigfoot. Hmm, this thing, whew, I don't even know how to say it. Mesh ek anenabek. <laughs> what? 
it's okay i'm gonna have to look at these and this I'm one have to they're saying this one is the indiana's version of the loch ness monster oh we don't have any water here you guys have some mammy lakes right Bruh. we have retention <laughs> ponds behind subdivisions <laughs> Is that where this thing is alleged to live? Because, um, <laughs> Lake Manitou. I don't freaking know. Hold on, I have to Google this. You want me to spell it for you? It looks like Mesh, Ek, Annabeth. I'm trying to know where Lake Manitou is first of all. Lurking in the um, depths in Rochester. Hmm. It says near Rochester. All right, yeah, tell me this creature. It's M-E-S-H-E-K-E-N-A-B-E-K. Oh, I love it. You know what? It can't be in the bracket. We can't have a bracket where there's always one thing we don't know how to fucking say. No, we we wouldn't be doing our jobs as podcasters if we weren't mispronouncing things. So are we putting this in the bracket? Oh, I nominate this wholeheartedly for the bracket. Okay, I get my Rougarou. I'm going to put yours in. I'll... Yeah, that's a cutie pie. Okay, don't. No, we're not We're not at the crypto bracket, so shut it down. Okay. Shut okay, it down. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to get a tattoo. Okay. I'm going to get a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> that's my last word for that. <laughs> okay, hold on. This is the... Is this supposed to exist in a single lake? Like, are you still looking at that fucking out? thing? Okay, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm walking away. You are going to like, we're going to be done with this and she's going to be laying in bed, cheating a little ass off, I tell you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I just uh-huh. know it. You, you're correct completely. <laughs> I don't deny that at all. I'm okay. Whatever makes you happy at this point. Yeah. That's what I need. <laughs> Well, speaking of happy, you want to dig into this? Yes. All right. I am dying to know this topic. I, I, I wonder if you know this. I don't know. I think maybe it's obscure, but maybe it's not obscure. We'll, we'll see. So basically, okay. like, when COVID hit and the world shut down and we were all cooped up in our homes, like, Tiger King seemed like... Mm-hmm. It all united us, right? Oh, absolutely! It got us. Are you going to bring us together again? I am. Okay. Tiger King totally got us through the first two weeks of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it, it it much like a stimulus check. It didn't. It didn't, it didn't last long. What we needed, but <laughs> it was nice when it came. It's been a fucking year. Yeah, they're talking. I saw that they're doing um, the queens of. Tiger King, I think it's what's what it's called. What? Netflix is doing like a like a drag race type Tiger King thing. Wow. I okay. saw that they're gonna work on um another documentary. I heard this this morning where they were saying like they're gonna make it to where they're not so much like cartoon characters, which I don't know how you're gonna make that happen. I don't know. I mean, I'm I don't feel like the world needs that, but okay. 
Yeah, they're like, well, they're people. And I'm like, well. <laughs> That's not what we're here for, though. Let's be honest with ourselves. And let's, I mean, literally this week alone, like Joe Exotic and Daniel Passage are talking about getting a divorce. Well, Daniel is because he's not in jail. And Joe's like. What? Is there still Joe Exotic drama unfolding? Right now. This week. There's so oh. much Tiger King shit this week, girl. Dude, that's what I need. Okay, so Joe's husband, the the young guy daniel passage which one they're all young yeah so daniel passage is joe's husband okay hold on let me google real quick so i have a face he's like a little cutie patootie i feel like they kind of all are though i think he's the cutest one and you're just like what are you thinking (laughs) hold on joe exotic husband his name is not Daniel. His name is Dylan. Are you sure? Yeah. I 100%. swear it was Daniel. You are mistaken, ma'am. That's why I, I typed Daniel Passage and it was like like a senator or something. I'm like, no way is he married to a senator. He is a cutie pie. Okay. Wouldn't well, that be complicated? <laughs> <laughs> let's start a rumor. Oh, let's do it. We're public figures. We can do that. <laughs> Where did I get Daniel? I don't know. Whatever. We're talking about a person can't remember their mic. <laughs> <laughs> I had to write a mean, hateful note to yourself where you call yourself a moron. Yeah, it worked, though. It worked. I'm looking at it. It says my mic is connected. <laughs> but yeah, so so Joe told him or his lawyer or someone, his statement was basically like, yeah, pretty much like I'm not really ready to get a divorce because it would complicate things i'm like what the fuck like okay that's rough and then um mysterious do you remember jeff lowe he's the one that like it seemed like he like set up joe exotic he and he like he took over the zoo like the vegas guy like yes oh yes he gives me the heebie-jeebies so he was like, I, I want to say he was at a casino and had a stroke. He had a fucking stroke. But then he's telling everybody right now that he thinks someone poisoned his drink to kill him. I mean. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> I saw a meme about him that said if, if Axe body spray were a person. <laughs> Which, yeah. Yep. I don't know. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> the whole thing's bananas. So when I knew that there was, you know, some pretty heavy personal shit coming up, I figured it would be a good idea to kind of put together an episode with some Tiger King energy. I think that's what I messaged you. <laughs> it is. And I couldn't be more intrigued. Also, hold on. I want to backtrack for a second and say that the better meme about Jeff Lowe is that if gas station erection pills were a person. <laughs> It would be him, which the Axe body sprays too. True, but I, I feel like that is much more pointed and specific and accurate. He looks so, like, oily. Yeah. I don't know Okay, what it tell is. me your episode, because I'm going to die. Okay, okay. So, Tiger King energy. Mm-hmm. Okay, a tail like Tiger King that is going to make us escape, like, well, for two episodes now, because... There is a lot to this story. Calgon, take me away. What is it? I'm going to tell you the story of a man 
For many kids, he was a mythical creature. For others, he was the man-made disaster that destroyed a sport for the entire Midwest. Is it gymnastics guy? Nope. Who is it? His name is John Keehan, a.k.a. Oh, it sounds familiar. Count Dante, a.k.a. the deadliest man alive. What the hell? Okay, I don't think I... What's the sport? Karate. Oh, shit, I don't think I know. Is he a child molester? There's no child molestation. Okay, because I, I remember a true crime episode about a guy who was like a karate teacher and he like was a child molester and he kidnapped some kid. But this is not that. This is a different This thing. is disaster light. There's some okay. disaster in here. There is some disaster. But it's not going to be anything. Let me see this episode. It's not going to be anything that no one can handle. Okay. It's like Mississauga versus uh, Our Lady of Angels fire. It's going to be like a three. Okay. It's going to be okay. light, easy, fun. Bruh, I'm ready. And now you've said that before, though. And you're like, it's going to be light, easy, fun, nothing too bad. And then I'm like, so how many kids die? And you're like, oh, 93, but, the, you know, it's not that bad. Okay. Well, just wait. <laughs> Okay. You can get right. mad at me if you want. All right. All right. I'm buckled in. I'm ready. All right. So on February 2nd, 1939, a bunch of kids died. I'm just kidding. I'm out. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> February. I wasn't even surprised. I was braced for it. <laughs> February 2nd, 1939, John and Dorothy Kean welcomed a sweet, blue-eyed, red-haired baby boy to the world. They named him John Timothy, and he was destined for a very, very exciting life. John's dad was a surgeon and was able to provide a life of plenty for his older sister, Diane, and him. In his teens, John would attend the all-boys Mount Carmel High School in Chicago, which John bragged is nicknamed Little Notre Dame. Okay. Imagine how ominous it would be if you had a baby and there was like a, I don't know, a clear, like a, a known to be accurate clairvoyant in your village. I don't know why you live in a village in your area. <laughs> and they came and you were like, tell me about my baby. And they were like, well, they're going to lead a very exciting life. And that's all they would tell you. How freaking ominous would that be? Uh, That would give me anxiety because what does exciting what, mean? I mean, is that that could mean a lot. <laughs> It, a lot it would be I mean, cool you've though led a very exciting life man my life is boring compared to this guy like okay he's making me question Shit. my existence oh my god okay so he went to this all boys catholic school um eventually he would finish high school his high school career in a public school though Allegedly, he struggled a little bit socially and was bullied in school, which is how he, quote, acquired a desire to get nasty with his fists. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? <laughs> he would fight. He was okay. a fighter. He was a fighter. Shit, I went somewhere else with that. <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> you think he was jerking off? Uh, I mean, I don't... <laughs> That's where you went? I, I went... Teenage boy. No, I went somewhere worse than that. Oh. 
reel it in. Aunt Veda listens to this, I can't say. Reel it in. <laughs> I can't say. But I, I went somewhere even worse than that. Oh. <laughs> I really want to know. I mean, I feel like you can probably put it together, but I'll text you later. Okay. So, John would find most of his free time outside of school at Koyan's Gymnasium on the south side of Chicago, afforded to him by his father's wealth. Johnny Koyan, a.k.a. the Chicago Spider, was a badass old-timey boxer who held the title of the World Banterweight Champion for four years before eventually opening his gym after retiring from boxing. Johnny Kuyan was a big fucking deal. He was best buddies with Jack Johnson, who at the height of Jim Crow era became the first African-American world heavyweight boxing champion. Some pretty big names in boxing also traded, trained at Johnny's gym. Jack Dempsey, Joe Lewis, Sugar Ray Robinson, Sonny Liston, Muhammad Ali, Sonny Liston. Pardon me. It's on a roll there. Anyways, I mean, I recognize maybe two of those names, so I was not going to call you on it, but I'm sure somebody would have. <laughs> so a lot of big names are going to this gym. So if you wanted to train with the best, like this is where you wanted to be. And so young John Kean, he was hooked from day one. There was another thing about Johnny Kuyan that would be instrumental in young John's formative years. It was a novelty of sorts. A special move rendering the biggest and strongest of men weak and feeble. The five foot, 115 pound Johnny also had a moniker, the unliftable man. Johnny would grab the back of a person's neck and by applying pressure to a nerve there, he was able to prevent anyone, no matter their size or strength, from being able to lift him from the ground. Like you can Google Johnny Kuyan and you will see like picture after picture of like he's just this little man and there's like one where like Muhammad Ali's like veins are like busting out his neck trying to lift this little guy and he can't just because of this pressure point it's really cool so of course an impressionable kid such as John like loved this right yeah and so began his fascination with lethal and mystical nerve strikes dim mock dim mock also known as the touch of death is quote depicted as a secret body of knowledge with techniques that attack pressure points and meridians said to incapacitate and sometimes cause immediate or even a delayed death to an opponent. Oh my God. It's bananas. After high school, John Kean joined the military at the age of 18. At the end of 1958, John would complete a Marine Corps infantry training course at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. There is, when you're looking up John's history, there is like, you'll see as the story unfolds, but there's a lot of doubt and speculation, like if he even actually served in the first place, he did. There are records out there that he did. I'm not an expert on how, like, the military worked, like, in the late 50s, but I can't imagine it's changed a whole lot when it comes to, like, enlistment contracts and, like, how much time you're required to serve. Simply, though, you just don't, like, willy-nilly up and leave and come and go as you please with the military, (laughs) right? No. 
That's I think that's a constant. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a new thing. So from what I found, it seems like his time with the Marines was as a reservist. Like he wasn't like there the whole time. Like he just started as a reserve, like in the reserves. So with that is with that said, it appears that after his training, he immediately left the Marines to join the army. John's career with the army would last from 1959 through 1960, where he would be dishonorably discharged. For what? Yikes. I don't know. I know the rules are a lot stricter now, so he must have done something. Dang, yeah, I really want to know what he did. I want to know, too. So the reason why I bring up his military timeline, um, it's super important. While he did serve in the military for what appears to be about two years, John would make some pretty hefty claims about his time of service. Fantastical claims. In these two years, John claimed to have been in Korea and Vietnam, where he studied Hapkido, Tangsudo, Muduquan, Taekwondo, Thai boxing, and Chinese boxing. Quote, when I was over there. Huh? Adelaide used to do Tang Sudo. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's so <laughs> For a couple cute. Years. Yeah. He said, quote, when I was over there, they didn't know what Kung Fu was. They called it Chinese boxing. He's a little mm-hmm. arrogant. Yeah, I hear that. He also competed in death matches. The super duper secret and very illegal death matches. But don't worry. John says during one interview, quote, Things like this are supposed to be illegal, a lot of magazines say, but then so is the mafia illegal, and they're still in business. Wow. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) I love it so much. That's fair, though. In these death matches, John said he killed 20 to 25 men. He would eventually go on to say that in his lifetime, it would be 50 men in total that would meet their maker at his hands. But he just wasn't the deadliest man alive. Quote, I have also maimed about 25 people, either blinded them, took one eye out, two eyes, or maybe either completely taken the testicles off, or maybe one with a groin slap and a twist and a tear. But these were very adverse conditions. And a twist, and a tear, and a tear. All love. That's too many. <laughs> That's too much. Too much. Leave people's groins alone. If that seems like a lot to do in a two-year military career, <laughs> think again. During this time, he also trained, trained Che Guevara and Raúl Castro in the Sierra Maestra in Cuba. It was a covert operation that he was a part of. A covert operation where they were arming the pair with guns. <gasps> He's a busy man. <laughs> yeah. Around 1961, John started traveling to Phoenix to train under Robert Trias. Robert opened the first karate school available to the public in the United States. So wow. nothing is new as that. John seemed to find himself training with some true legends. Robert Trias also founded the United States Karate Association, or the USKA, in 1948. Big deal, big stuff. Rising quickly through the ranks, John, who was about 22 years old now, was made the director of the Chicago branch of the USKA by Robert. 
John said around this time he had also worked with Bruce Lee. You know, have you ever heard of that guy? Mm-hmm. He, Once or twice. Yeah. So John said he worked out with Bruce Lee. When asked if he had ever challenged Bruce Lee to a fight, John answered simply, quote, no, because I don't challenge people that are no competition. Oh, my God, sir. <laughs> this guy's stressing me out. <laughs> it wasn't long before the relationship between John and Robert Trias soured. John Guillen was very well known for his open door policy when it came to accepting students in his dojo. He was one of the first to train black and Latino fighters. This included training Chicago's Blackstone Rangers. It was a very big deal, especially smack in the middle of a civil rights movement. John would say, quote, I'm their blue-eyed soul brother. Okay. There is account (laughs) after account from black fighters that John really was the only person that would train them in Chicago. So we still don't need to say blue eyed soul brother. Exactly. But I'm saying if you're going to believe something like there are credible accounts of John really just being open with this. And I think this is going to be about it. (laughs) All right. Okay. So things soured. And when the fallout happened between John and Robert, John would publicly claim it was because Robert was a racist. He claimed that Robert was not happy that he was promoting black fires and fighters in the USKA. Obviously, Robert denied these claims. Also, if it's true, that's pretty fucking bold of a white dude yeah. to be exclusionary considering that karate has Asian roots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's on brand. <laughs> Godly. What a weird... White people are weird. (laughs) Yeah. And what seems to be a, you can't fire me, I quit situation. John left the USKA and in turn, Robert sent letters to USKA groups letting them know that John Keehan was no longer a member. Quote, please be advised that Mr. John Keehan has been expelled from the organization for various violations against the constitution of USKA. Whatever that means. John said, fuck it, and started his own organization. They can have the rinky-dink United States Karate Association. John Kian, on the other hand, would be the founder and father of the World Karate Federation. Whoa. And that does sound pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Nothing was going to stop him from making it epic. I believe that. By 1964, Chicago had 13 karate dojos. John owned two of those. The Imperial Academy of Fighting Arts at 1020 North Rush Street and the Chicago Judo and Karate Center at 7902 South Ashland. John made bank. He charged students $20 a month, a significant amount more than any of the other dojos. Today, that's like $170 a month Hmm. to teach. So you're pulling in all this cash. What do you do with it? cocaine you buy a fucking lion that was close it's close that was close i was on the right track i am curious if there's any cocaine and none of my reese there none of my reese there's some other there's some pills and there's some pop but 
God, this has so much coat. dusted all over it already. Yes. Okay. So, you buy Lion. John kept a female cub named Aurelia at his Ashland Dojo location, frequently walking it around the block like you would a pet dog. As Lion Cubs do, Aurelia grew much faster than John and his business partner Robert Gore anticipated. (laughs) So the pair answered an ad in the newspaper for someone looking to buy a lion. It really was that easy back then. Jesus Christ. I mean, it it still is in Indiana, but Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So the sale and purchase would take place at the Quincy Evening Lion Clubs. Now, the Quincy Evening Lions Club isn't a club for actual lions. Uh, It's not normally the site of lion sales either. It's a social club and one has nothing to do with the other. But it is quite funny when you think about it. I mean, how do you determine where where to sell a lion? Like, I mean, you can't do that like a, you know, buying a kitten off Craigslist and mean in the CVS parking lot. I think this is, I think this was the buyer's choice on this. Okay. Um, I mean, it's it's got pizzazz, that's for sure. It does. So, Aurelia, she's brought to the club. And it's not some quick exchange. The club is actually having a banquet with hundreds of people in attendance. And Aurelia is now part of the event. One newspaper reported, quote, most Quincians who saw Aurelia, the 80 pound mascot, were taken with a friendly animal and several women were brave enough to hug it. A majority were content merely to pet the furry creature. I don't think brave is the word for that. Mm Mm-mm. I think maybe dumb white enough to pet it. (laughs) But Aurelia didn't make the newspaper because she was just some lion cub hanging out in a lion's club. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Someone at the event suggested that Quincy, Illinois mayor, Mr. Wes Olson, posed with her for a photo op. When the mayor tried to turn Aurelia around for the camera, she, quote, growled and bit Olson's hand. Oh, shit. No major harm was done to the mayor's hand, and for her part in the incident, local officials quarantined Aurelia with the local vet for 10 days. The incident, it did not hinder her sale. John sold her that very night to Quincy Buick dealership owner, Robert Geese. Robert, who would drive Aurelia around the city in his Buick Opal station wagon, well, he would come to have buyer's remorse. I'm sure. So he sold her to another Buick dealership, oh, this one man. in St. Louis. What? What? Mm-hmm. Why do all the Buick dealerships want a lion? I don't know. They had buyer's remorse. And finally, Aurelia would find retirement from these idiots and live the rest of her <laughs> life at a Texas zoo. Okay. So, at least we all know. She got to relax. Moving on. In 1965, Chicago was met with a series of bombings at landmark buildings. On July 7th, the Masonite building on Wacker Drive was bombed ripping away the building's entryway and shattering windows of the opera house across the street all the way up to the 15th floor. 
Oh, my God. On July 10th, the Meyer building was also bombed, blowing out every single window there and the building across the street. There was a car bomb at the Wrigley building on July 11th that exploded with such force that the hood of the car was embedded into the building. More than 30 windows, poof, gone. Wow. Another car parked beside the R.R. Donnelly and Sons Lakeside Press buildings exploded on July 14th. This one was a little more unsettling. The other buildings that were bombed, they were empty. These press buildings, they had over a thousand workers inside. Miraculously, Mm -hmm. no one was hurt. Yeah, that is miraculous. And there was an attempt at bombing of a karate dojo. Oh, no. One night, John Gann and his buddy Douglas Dwyer got super wasted. (laughs) At some point, the two decided to blow up the windows in Gene Wyka's dojo, the Chicago Judo and Karate Center. Gene had apparently owed John some money for some work he had done, and this seemed like the only reasonable way to get retribution. There was a detonating cap in a length of wire that... I hate to hear their unreasonable ideas. Oh my gosh. What was the drawing board like on this one? (laughs) want to know how long he owed money. Yeah. So there was a a detonating, (laughs) no, I can't even say it, detonating cap and a length of wire taped to the front door. But John and Douglas were so sloshed, they couldn't even set fire to the fuse. And then the police showed up. They were too fucked up to light the bomb. But hey, let's (sighs) drive a fucking car. A high-speed chase ensued, and at one point, a box containing 13 more dynamite blasting caps were tossed out the car's window. Ultimately, the two were caught and arrested. John was charged with attempted arson, and both were charged with possession of explosive and resisting arrest. Because of the series of bombings Chicago had been experienced, I mean, it's like, what a time to be bombing stuff when... (laughs) Chicago's going going through this. I mean, I don't know. Um, The pair were issued lie detector tests, questioning them with their involvement, if they had any involvement in the terror acts. Um, But both passed. Thank God. Hmm. If you can believe it. Um, The other bombings, they were never solved, actually, and nobody was charged. Although the Illinois Crime Commission was absolutely convinced it was the handiwork of the mob. Well, who's going to let a bombing go gone wrong stop them from greatness? Not no. Me. Nope. Not six foot, red hair, blue eyed John Timothy Keehan. <laughs> Hell no. But that guy was old fucking news. It was time for a reinvention. It was time for this phoenix to rise from the ashes. Oh, and boy. with that, I introduce you to the one, the only, Count Juan Rafael Dante. In 1967, John shed his old identity. He changed his name to Count Juan Rafael Dante because even though it was widely known that his family was in fact Irish, this was simply not the case anymore. Count Dante was of noble heritage. Quote, my parents had come to Canada after fleeing Spain after the Spanish Revolution. In fact, I still own the property, Nestor Falls, Ontario, Canada. (laughs) 
I wonder. If Holy he... shit, you were not kidding with the Joe Exotic energy in this. Mm-hmm. It, like, super reminds me of uh, the Alaria Baldwin stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. How you say that word again? Cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> no one really knows how Count Dante got his name, but there is speculation. His high school, Mount Carmel High, a.k.a. Little Notre Dame, its straight address is 6410 South Dante Avenue. Hmm. Coincidence? Hmm. He didn't Maybe give Maybe that a- was his bug out name all along. Yep. Oh, bringing him back. Oh, yeah. I've still got callbacks. I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. That's not even a far callback, though. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for hyping me up. For me, it is. I forget everything. <laughs> um, he didn't give a fuck what people thought, though. He said, quote, a man's name should be what he says it is. No one questions that Cassius Clay is now Muhammad Ali. It doesn't bother anyone that Lou Alcindor is now Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Why do people question whether or not John Keen is Count Dante? <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm with this logic. I'm behind it. I'm actually behind it, too. And you can't just change your name when you are reinventing yourself. You have to update your look, too. Hell yeah. The red locks of John Ken were no longer. Count Dante's new mane was a bed of soft, curly, jet black hair. His facial hair, a work of art, too. Precisely trimmed <laughs> in a series of swoops and angles. Oh, my. I feel like I need to. Um, don't look it up because I don't want anything to be spoiled for you. But I'm going to send you a picture of Count Dante. Just I sent you a picture a little while ago. You sent me a picture? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But that thing that I told her, or that I said I wanted to know what, where her brain went. But I said I can't because I made listen to this. Ooh. Let me tell you. <laughs> Everything you're imagining and more. I like it. Oh, no. Ginger <laughs> part two. It is in part two. <laughs> oh, poor Cody. Oh, wait. I forgot what I was doing. Okay, I'm sending you a picture of his new look. You know... <laughs> It's almost exactly what I was picturing. Mm-hmm. And I also like to take every opportunity to casually talk shit about people you don't know who do not listen to this podcast and say that it looks strikingly like somebody that I know who has this look unironically. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I, I just, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to just talk shit about people who will never know with this platform. I love it. And I hope maybe they find it and they do hear it one day when they're oh I hope so binging through. So yeah, he has a so. Count Dante. He has a whole new look. Yeah, this this that, is a whole look. How would you explain that? How would I explain this? Um, it's got some magician vibes. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. It's got um, also some. Capital resident from the Hunger Games vibes, <laughs> with the uh, the beard situation mm-hmm. happening. 
Um, what's the one guy? Oh God, are you even? Do you do you even know who I'm talking about? On Hunger Games? Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We'll have the audio guy trim this pause down. Um, Hunger Games guy with beard. See, Google knows. Okay, Seneca Crane. This is a cross between uh, some kind of dollar store magician and Seneca Crane. That's Oh my that. gosh, you're there so right. I, I really am. <laughs> Holy crap, that's good. You're good at this. <laughs> Wow. I love it. That's, uh, that's what we're dealing with here. Mm. But I encourage everyone, I strongly encourage everyone to take a moment and go look it up and see for yourself. Yeah, please do. And we'll post <laughs> pictures of Count Dante too. So that this look, enough. it was a look that he was able to maintain because he opened a fucking salon. Of course. Of course he did. Mm -hmm. The house of Dante was located at 2558 West Superior in West Town. Does he make other people's beards look like this? Probably not because. No. No, he's. This is his vanity project. He's not trying to lift people up. I mean, he's not trying to lift people up, but I feel like this is not facial hair that you can have unless you're trying to make it a thing. Because this is not the kind of facial hair you want to be out in the world alone with. I honestly think he wanted to be out in the world alone with this. Okay. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, because <laughs> he <bold>. was... <laughs> he's super bold. Because he was a marketing genius, and I love marketing shit. Um, you are a marketing genius. Oh, not compared to Count Dante. Uh game recognized game he for his salon he had gold embroidered packs of specially blended count dante cigarettes oh my that he would use to promote his new business venture can we pass out some mark safe cigarettes but like the candy kind not the real kind because absolutely that would be counter counterproductive depending on the state maybe a different kind (laughs) so The flexible hours of his salon meant that he could still pursue his martial arts career and pick up babes. Babes (laughs) like Playboy bunnies. But we will get to that a little bit later. I feel like babes might have mixed feelings about his whole whole thing he's got going on. (laughs) I'm not saying there's not a babe who would be into it, but... I think babes were into it. Oh my, okay. I feel like he might have a polarizing look. (laughs) Now with his makeover completed, John was ready to add some flair to the martial arts world too. In the summer of 1967, Count Dante promised something spectacular. As part of a tournament, a bull would be killed with a single blow. What the hell? John... No! (laughs) No, no, this is the wrong kind of branding. Well, Count Dante was heavily inspired by Mas Oyama. Mas Oyama was a karate master who, in the early 1950s, would fight bulls bare knuckle, knocking them unconscious. Sometimes he would rip the bull's horns off with his bare hands. 
No, no, no. Count Dante loved it. He wanted he wanted it. He wanted to do it himself. No. Mm-hmm. See, I was a big supporter of Count Dante until this. All right. Well, let's see how it ha- let's just see how it went. All right. So Count Dante, he bought the bull. He loaded it up on a flatbed truck and paraded it around town with signs announcing the event. He reasoned that if the police try to shut him down for delivering the deadly blow to the bull inside the building where the event was to be held, he would, quote, kill it in the truck on State Street if necessary. Jesus. Apparently, people love this shit because the stands, they were completely full. Like, take my money. I need to see this. Behind the scenes... Count Dante decided that he would be a gracious teacher, stand aside, and let one of his students kill the bull instead, letting them bask in the celebrity that came with such an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. The student was 19-year-old Arthur Rapkin. And boy, did they hype this kid up. Mm -hmm. You think he's going to do it? I hope not. He's 19. He's got he's got a lot to prove. 19-year-old boys are dumb. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can confirm that. All right. The time's come. The seats are filled. The crowd is ready. Arthur is ready. There was no mom spaghetti. Okay, see, I was going in a 10 dual commandments direction with this. <laughs> but I see that you are going in an 8-mile direction with this, and I do respect that. I was trying to cheer you up with this episode. Okay. It's I would, working. I wouldn't normally add that. The bull really? though. Well, I mean I, I I mean, listen. Do what I do. Throw some Eminem lyrics into every episode. I feel like it's <laughs> it's my contribution to this podcast. It's what's made us great so far. Well, you know, we got our own things. Okay. Alright. But yeah, no spaghetti. He didn't vomit. No. <laughs> Yeah, he's calm and ready. He's calm and ready. But the bull, probably not ready. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. But it's go time. All right. Here it is. All of a sudden. Dude, I thought for a minute you were going to leave me on a cliffhanger for part two with that. Oh, no, there's so much shit. (laughs) Okay. All of a sudden, Count Dante makes an announcement. The event had been shut down by Chicago SPCA. Unknown to everyone, even poor Arthur, Count Dante had used the killing of the bull by a single blow as nothing more than a marketing campaign. SPCA did not fucking shut this down. It just was never going to happen. They were fine with it? No, it just wasn't going to happen. He was just wanted to fill the seats. Should we try that? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Okay. I'm ready to take this podcast to the next level. <laughs> let's uh let's hype up an event where we will kill an Indiana Lake monster live on air. No, live on air we do something terrible to an armadillo. <gasps> I can't show up for that. <laughs> well, we're not really gonna do it. We're just trying to get listeners. Okay. It's well, gotta be something tuned. catchy, like we're gonna fuck up an armadillo next week. Guys. We're gonna fuck up the arms of an armadillo. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna arm wrestle an armadillo 
There you go. I feel like we're going to lose. Is that a little more gentle? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe just thumb wrestle. <laughs> thumb wrestle. <laughs> oh my god, we're some sissies. Count Dante would not be proud of us. <laughs> well, but if we're thumb wrestling an armadillo, we can at least go through with it. So who gets Oh, so you actually cut? want to do some animal abuse. Well, listen, no, what I'm saying. <laughs> I he, knew you hated armadillos. <laughs> God bless it. <laughs> Where's my shirt? I need it again. <laughs> I never in my life thought when I started this podcast that I would have to spend so much time defending my feelings about freaking armadillos. I thought we were just going to lie to people to get, you know. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, that, that was technically my plan, too. But, like, is thumb wrestling an armadillo? actually bad does an armadillo have thumbs <laughs> hold on let me google it <laughs> hang on does an armadillo no one else has googled this have thumbs um five fingers on their front feet four fingers and opposable thumbs on their rear feet so we're gonna have to thumb wrestle an armadillo's rear feet I don't feel feel incredibly cruel. I feel like that's really gonna hype up the armadillo and make it feel strong and virile. I think this is actually a good thing. Sounds kinky. Let's go for it. God bless it, Melanie. (laughs) I got you excited with that picture. (laughs) It was a risk I ran. All right. So the world only knew what the picture was. We're gonna have to make that Patreon content. So yeah, the the bull killing thing, it it was never going to happen. It simply, like, he just wanted to fill seats and this was his brilliant idea. I mean, it fucking worked. <laughs> yeah. Arthur said of Count Dante and his associates, quote, They were probably just howling at this little Jewish kid from Milwaukee. They were going to put up against this bull. <laughs> Poor <laughs> Arthur. <laughs> What happened to the bull after this? I don't know what happened to the bull. Okay, I need to know. I'll try to find out before next time, okay? Okay, thank you. So, this event would open the door for Count Dante to put on the tournament of his dreams. America's first ever full contact martial arts tournament. Back then, that was like, no. You know what I mean? Now it's like yeah. we have USC. So, like, yeah. <laughs> he was a pioneer, really, if you think about it. Um, more ways than one. But the martial arts community was fucking pissed, calling the tournament, quote, an insult to karate and, quote, return to barbarism. The August 1967 issue of Black Belt Magazine had a scathing article called Storm Clouds Over Chicago, criticizing the idea of the tournament. It stated that, quote, virtually every single major karate leader in the country has denounced the Chicago bout, which its promoters say will provide a $10,000 purse to the winner. And so have the tournament players of all types, from beginners to experts. So Black Belt Magazine is just like, hey, Count Dante, we're making fun of your tournament. It's stupid. It's <laughs> talking shit. If it was a huge blow to Count Dante, he didn't show it. He would arrive to his tournament wearing a cape and holding a walking cane adorned with a lion's head. And one of Count Dante's very own students, Vic Ruther, won the tournament and the $10,000 prize. Imagine that. 
but shh, Vic said it didn't go down like that. This huge national full contact tournament had a total of, quote, eight contestants, one quit, no one was injured, it was completely no holds bar. You could use anything you wanted, but you know, everybody, well, originally it was supposed to be 10,000 and it was supposed to be backed by Chicago Wrestling, but they backed out and then it came down to 100 bucks, something like that. Oh no. Mm-mm. I'm sure it sucked for Count Dante, but it was okay because there was always next year's tournament, which would be even bigger and better. Besides, he had to write a book. Oh, did he? He did. That's what he had to do? The book was titled World's Deadliest Fighting Secrets, and he would market it in the most genius way possible to impressionable youth splashed across the pages of their Marvel comic books. Oh. These comic book ads were incredible and campy and everything I love. So if anyone actually stumbles across an original intact copy, let me know. I will Venmo you. <laughs> I need it. It's just so cool. It, it's, it evolved over the years, but it's all pretty much the same ad. I so, know somebody who like deals your mom, in classic. I know. Co- no, 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 no. My best friend's husband. That's like his whole job. Is, is like buying and reselling antique comic well maybe not antique I don't know I, I don't write the job descriptions but that, well he will know deal. I bet if you ask him about con, uh, Count Dante ads in comic books he'll be like fuck yeah I know what that is Damn, like it, right now. it is literally the most famous comic book ad period I want one so bad <laughs> so I'm going to share with you a long snippet from the ad, okay? Okay. This book can save your life. The forbidden and secret training manual of the Black Dragon Society has never before been available to anyone outside of the society. Recent attempts for regular publication and public exposure have been rejected as the contents were considered horrifyingly dangerous and brutally vicious. Yes, this is the deadliest and terrifying fighting art known to man and without equal. It's maiming, mutilating, disfiguring, paralyzing, and crippling techniques are known by only a few people in the world. This is the only book ever written on Dimak. An expert in Dimak, the most advanced form of Kung Fu, could easily kill many Judo, Karate, Kung Fu, Aikido, Gung Fu experts at one time with only one fingertip pressure using his murderous poison hand weapons. Instructing you step by step through each move in this manual is none other than Count Dante, the deadliest man who ever lived. And then in parentheses, the crown prince of death. <laughs> Why are we not marketing our podcast language like this? Uh... It was really tiny print. <laughs> <laughs> this was like the like one of the smaller sections in the ad. Like he managed to include like another like novels worth of information ad, but like that's like you get the gist. I'll post the ad. Everyone needs to read the whole ad. It is I don't know. It's just awesome. It's so cool. Um yeah. so <sighs> It's just 
it's ridiculous. So in the book, it has everything. Count Dante's incredible resume in the martial arts and all the techniques that he promised. Like his famous groin slap, a.k.a. <laughs> grab and tear off, a.k.a. Oh, monkey stealing a peach. <gasps> oh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. And if that wasn't enticing enough, you also received a special bonus with your purchase of the world's deadliest fighting secrets. A free Black Dragon Fighting Society membership card. It was only $5 and an additional 50 cents for the postage and handling. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I am seriously considering photocopying it, cutting it out, writing Melanie Mark Save Cruz on it, and putting my, because you can pay cash. Have you legally changed your name now since I didn't know you had our podcast on your glasses? Do I not know that? Yep, I'm changing my name. I'm doing it. Okay. Count Dante God, is plus I thought we'd get the tattoos first. Melanie. Mark Safe Cruz. Boom, boom, boom. I'm going to have a song. If I change mine too, are we basically married? Yep. Okay. I like it. I dig it. Yeah. I dig, I dig it. it. I'm into it. Can we have a big ceremony? Sorry, yeah. If we, Absolutely. if one of us goes to jail though, like we had to promise each other, like there's no limbo stuff, like the Joe Exotic thing. What, okay. What does that mean? Like... If you want a divorce, like, I'll let you get a divorce. I don't want a divorce. All right. You? Well, I'll let you bang away. How about that? Okay, that works. I'll share That's you. That's fair. Perfect. I mean, I've got the audio guy for that. <laughs> I forgot we're actually still married to other people. Yeah, yeah but I mean, we can, we can add more to the mix. A girl can dream. <laughs> Love is multiplied, not divided. Ooh, we need to do an episode about Cody Brown someday. Ooh, <laughs> we're we're just this is just the uh, Joe Exotic spinoff Chaotic Men podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was like, I was I was looking at this thing, and I'm like, I'm gonna photocopy this, and I'm gonna put in my five dollars and fifty cents with my self addressed envelope, and I'm gonna mail it off and see what happens. I triple dog dare you. I think I'm going to because. And you strike me as someone who can't turn down a dare. I got to mail off your stuff from from Michelle tomorrow. I think I'm going to do it just because, listen, if anything, I'm supporting the United States Postal Service. And we have a friend that that works with the Postal Service. And it's important. And you want to support her. I want to support her. I like I wrote in our mom group. I was like, man, can I just like, how do I, who do I tell? Like, I don't want this junk mail coming in my mailbox anymore and she's like hey that junk mail keeps me in work because they have to pay for it a lot about the postal service from her (laughs) me too so now i just want to mail shit so i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it tomorrow (laughs) i'm gonna record it i'll show you i'm gonna record it and i'm gonna put it in the mailbox do it Nothing's probably going to happen, but god what if it happens what if it happens oh then you can steal a peach I could steal a peach. I could fucking have my membership card. You can steal Cody's peach. <laughs> Poor Cody. Poor Cody. Anyway, so Count Dante would relentlessly advertise his book for the rest of his life. And it's said that he has made over a million dollars off this thing. But Count Dante is just getting started. And that wraps up part one. 
Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) What are you even doing with this episode? I love it. There's going to be so much juicy stuff in the next one. I'm so glad (sighs) that I didn't have to like compromise. Oh, hell no. Hell, never compromise. I hope no one cheats and just lets me tell the story. Oh, I won't cheat. Don't cheat, because it gets so good. No, I'll never cheat. I'm not even going to look this guy's beard up anymore. (laughs) 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 And I want to. Oh, God. I love this one so much. This is amazing. I do now. I do kind of want to have a spinoff Men with Chaotic Energy podcast. Oh, yeah, I like it. I feel like there's a lot, a lot to dig into there. There really is. God, men are problematic. Men are problematic. This isn't (laughs) Facebook, so we can say that. (laughs) You said men were trash, and you got in Facebook, Joe. I did not. It was hilarious. I didn't even say that, Mm -hmm. Melanie. What'd you say? I swear that's what you said. No, I was talking about Dave Ramsey. And I was talking about how in in a Dave Ramsey group, um, if you don't follow the rules exactly, people will treat you like trash. Oh, yeah, you were. (laughs) I didn't say anyone was trash. (laughs) (laughs) I just said people will treat you like you are. I think the best part is you tried to, like, appeal it. (laughs) I did. (laughs) You're so pissed. And there's a whole thing. There's like a whole, there's a process for it. It's like, if you appeal it, they're like, why are you appealing it? You can click one of a few options. Mm -hmm. And one of them is like, I think Facebook misunderstood the context of my comment. And I'm like, exactly. And I clicked that. And two minutes later, they're like, yeah, your your meat's upheld. (laughs) Fuck off. Why have it then? I'm still still salty about it. You can be salty. I missed you. I look, uh, yeah, it, I look I was, forward I was, to your post. I was a sad ghost haunting the halls of Facebook. <laughs> Imagining what it would be like when I was dead. I've never, I've personally never been in Facebook jail, so I don't know what it's like. I didn't realize that, like, you could still see what's going on. I thought oh, you were just yeah. locked out. No, just like being a ghost. I hadn't either. That's sad. Yeah, that was my first time. Oh, it but. feels right, though, that it was about talking shit about a Dave Ramsey group. He's never going to make it to my disaster relief. You totally have some street cred now. Yeah. Hey, I he'll probably wind it. up an episode. Dave Ramsey? Yeah. And the Chaotic Energy Men podcast? Oh, yeah. You already said that. <laughs> <laughs> you ready for some disaster relief? Absolutely. You have anything? I have one thing. Um, okay. It is a game. I have been buying a lot of games lately, and I'm specifically looking for things that would be kind of uh, appeal to multiple ages because we have um, an adolescent and a six year old. I'm super and... stressed out that we have the same thing right now. Oh, no. What is it? No, I don't know. Go ahead. Does it seem like it so far? Is yours a game? Yes. Oh, what the hell? We're becoming the same person. This is going to mess up your collage. Okay. What color is it? Beige. No. Okay. We're good. This is not beige at all. Um, I'm specifically looking for things that will appeal to multiple ages. Because like I said, we've got an adolescent and we've got a six-year-old. And uh, 
the vibe has just been a little bit weird being down one and I'm trying to, you know, lighten things up with some games. So I hit up the moms for some game ideas and somebody suggested Slapsy, S-L-A-P-Z-I. And we tried it out today and it's adorable. It's really simple and really fun. And I think it could definitely appeal to multiple ages and you don't have to be able to read, which is a really tricky thing when you are bridging these specific ages. Right. Um, like my six year old can read, but not fast. Um, so, you know, if she and not not super reliably, like not necessarily reliably enough to completely hold her own in apples to apples or something. Um, she would need somebody, you know, helping her with the trickier words. But this is basically there are. I don't remember what they're called, like clue cards and picture cards, basically. And you put down a clue card and see, okay, hold on. You've got five cards in your hand and they each have these very nice, big, nice looking, very simple to understand pictures, which are, again, things that a lot of kids would understand. I have found that a lot of board games have like weird kind of 70s puns that... (laughs) Modern kids don't know what the hell it's talking about. (laughs) I wish I had an example off the top of my head, but I don't. Um, But a lot of games and charades and things that are, you know, pre-made from a box will have things that kids don't really know what the hell that means. But, okay, so I'm looking at the Amazon example. You might have pineapple, bow tie, camel, snowboarder, and hummingbird in your hand. And then someone puts down, can't fit down a chimney. So you would want to put down the first card as fast as you can that applies. So maybe you put down a camel and then you get rid of that card. Whoever puts it down first gets rid of it. And you just want to get rid of the cards in your hand. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. And it's just, it's simple, but it's fun. It's got a few other alternate ways that you can play that I have not tried yet, but I'm looking forward to. And I highly recommend it. It's very cute. I would say, uh, depending on your kid and their... um, you know, quickness more than anything, because some kids in the the younger ranges are just kind of really hesitant, I think, depending on how quick your kid is. I don't mean smart. I just mean quick. I would say five and up. And, you know, if you're a reasonably good sport about simple games, I think it's fun all the way up for adults. I I love games. Yeah. Oh, me too. Oh, my God. Yeah. So... Did you ever watch the Royal Tenenbaums? Mm-mm. Oh, I'm like, I love Wes Anderson movies so much. But there's this scene where, like, like it's a dysfunctional family. But they go in this they closet to argue. <laughs> and it's like the old, like, chain to turn on the light and stuff. And the closet is, like, it's like a game closet. And it's all board games. And ever since I've seen that movie, I'm like, I need that fucking closet. <laughs> and for the we longest, have a nice old wooden chest filled with games. Yeah, for the longest time, like, cause I was just like, that's that's what I wanted. Every year, my mom would send me a game or two to like start building up my board game closet. And then I just kind of stopped there for a while. I want to get back on it. I'm really so you said slapsies. Yeah, S L A P Z I. That's pretty on brand with this episode. <laughs> yeah, it is. Count Dante would be proud. 
<laughs> Mine's a it's game, too. It's got just enough of a physical element to, like, appeal to kids, but not so much that then your kids are going to spend the rest of the night punching each other and making you regret your decisions. <laughs> like my game right now. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> What's your game? Where I make my children cry. Oh, shit. No, it wasn't bad. Um, one of my kids cried a little bit. Um, <laughs> because this game really brings out, like, if you want to know what category your children fall into, fighter, oh, do. fight or flight, this is the game for you. Oh one of my God. kids, totally a flighty. Um, it's called Throw Throw Burrito. <gasps> oh, I've been wanting to buy that. It's so fucking good. Oh, tell me more. So it's a dodgeball card game and it's pr- it's r- pretty easy you can adjust it so when you're playing with older kids um it's it's like a constant moving like you're just like moving and discarding cards in a circle around the table you know okay. yeah. and you're basically trying to get three of a kind okay. and they have like um barky sharky it's like a half dog half shark they have goth <laughs> sloth Oh my and, God. Like the characters are super cute. And so you, it's basically like, it's, I guess like go, isn't goldfish like that where you're trying to get like three of kind or pairs yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I so it's kind of like that, but it's fast moving within the deck. There are separate or there's a couple um, burrito brawl cards. And once oh. you get like three of them, you just, you like yell burrito brawl. Or burrito duel. And then you pick up the burritos. There's two of them. And you just try to hit somebody with it. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. It's, so it's exactly the kind of game I was referring to. Yes. It's awesome. Kids are crying. <laughs> but they're happy. There's so much fun. Sounds like some of them were happy. <laughs> oh, no. She got home from school today. The one that stressed out a little bit because she and she was like can we play i mean she digs it she just she freezes she doesn't know what to do she gets the burrito and she runs and she hasn't really gotten the concept of when a person throws a burrito and misses that's like the perfect opportunity but like count dante i'm gonna train her we'll get her we'll get her oh good my God. okay so you may not want to call her out by name is it one two or three it's two okay I figured it was three. Uh, no. Weirdo. Number three. Woo! She's got an aim on her. Damn. The little ones. You gotta watch out for the little ones. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 really good. It's funny. It's smart. I mean, and the burritos, they're not hard. They're like, um, you know, stress balls, how like soft yeah. they are. They're like that. Okay. I'll, I'm, I'm going to revisit buying that. There's another game, because it's from Exploding Kittens. There's another game I want to get, um, but the girls, they're not, like, quite old enough. But it's basically, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a like a caveman-type game where you have a word that you're trying to get your teammate to guess, but you can only give clues um, with one-syllable word. <laughs> and the uh, uh the people you're competing against they have someone standing next to you with an inflatable like <laughs> like bat like a caveman carries and they just and it says no real big on it and they just hit you on the head anytime you say more than one <laughs> syllable 
and he won it so bad. And then there's another game. It's called You Got Crabs. And I was looking at it. And so now my kids are running around saying, you got crabs. And I'm like, terrified. They're oh, going to go to no. school pointing at each other saying, you got crabs. They are. But yeah, they will. Because that's what will. fucking kids do. So what what reading level would you say is needed for this? There's no reading. It's just okay. pictures. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really evaluating things based on reading level right now because, like I said, Adelaide is a beginning reader. So I really would like to include some games that include a little bit of reading for her. But I don't want to I don't want to make her feel like a ding dong being the only one who isn't, you know, fully fluent reader yet. No, this game is all about trying to smash somebody in the face with a burrito. <laughs> OK. OK. No reading <laughs> needed for that. All right. I'm no. probably going to buy it. No, it's really good. And it's, I, I, I know I'm being all like macho macho, but it, it really is fun. And we played it for hours. Okay. And she didn't cry that much. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> Just a little. Oh, mom of the year. So. I love it. So next week, part two. Next week, part two, the crowning of the animal king. Um, all my regrets are coming to fruition. I'm telling you, Count Dante walked, or so Joe Exotic could run. Oh, I love that. Maybe that's maybe that should be the title. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to bed. Sweet dreams or no dreams. Sweet dreams or no dreams. Hey, horrible ghouls. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your personal MarkSafe moment, you can send it to us at MarkSafePodcast at gmail.com. Please give our podcast a rate, review, and subscribe and tell your buddies about us too. That goes a long way. If you want to further elevate your support, check out our MarkSafe Patreon page where we have shout outs, goodies, and some bonus content in the works. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again, and as always, stay safe.